Hello folks, Aaron Pennenberg here, back with All Things HEMA. Uh, just a quick note, if you want to contact me, you can do so at swordcoach at gmail.com. First, I want to talk about some sponsors. Uh, of course, Albion Swords, uh, History in Your Hand. You know, in my last podcast, I revealed some secrets regarding uh, Mike Sigmund going back in time in his time machine. Sorry to say that actually that was all false. I just made that up. I know you guys are pretty disappointed. But in reality, it's a team of very dedicated craftsmen and women who are hard at work to produce these weapons in such a way that they are true to the the historical originals. So remember, every time you're holding an Albion, it's a team of people that are working behind the scenes uh, to put together that weapon in such a way that it's done with the highest quality standards possible. And if you know anything about history, you know that these swords, even in the time period, were created by a team of people. It wasn't just one blacksmith uh, hammering away in some straw hut or something. It was it was quite a much more involved process than that, right? With the with the cutlers and the um, the hilt makers and the the finishers and the sharpeners and all that stuff that would work to make that weapon uh, a real uh, item versus just some kind of fantasy piece, right? So just keep that in mind. So thank you, Albion, for your awesome team. Uh, the HEMA world really appreciates it. I also want to welcome and thank a new sponsor, uh, Advocare. Advocare is a a line of high-quality supplements, uh, sport performance um, enhancers. I want to thank uh, Gary Lewis, who is a distributor, and you can contact him at glewis9221 at gmail.com. Again, that's glewis9221 at gmail.com. I have to say I've been using uh, the Advocare Spark uh, which is like a pre-workout drink uh, for some years, and it's fantastic. So uh, just a bunch of concentration of vitamins and minerals. And uh, when I drink it, because uh, usually I work out at like 4 o'clock in the morning or something, and uh, what it does is it just kind of takes the place of like a caffeinated drink, you know, and it kind of gets me going, keeps me sustained through my workouts, provides me some energy. And again, it's good for you. It's not uh, sugar or any of that kind of crap. Uh, Gary, oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Gary also talks about O2 Gold, which is another supplement uh, sports enhancement drink as well. And uh, both of these products come highly regarded by Gary. Uh, Gary Lewis, he is um, actually a police lieutenant with the Optum Police Department, and he um, he has been a sportsman. He's been an athlete uh, pretty much his whole life. So Gary really knows what he's talking about when it comes to these supplements and things. So I trust his judgment. So thank you, Advocare. Thank you, Gary Lewis. And now, uh, before we get to my guest today, which is uh, Larry Brumman, um, before we get to him, I just want to talk about a couple questions that I had received from you folks out there listening to my last podcast in regards to cutting um, here is a quote, and this individual asks that I not give his name, but actually, here's the quote. He says, Aaron, thank you for saying what my whole club has been thinking. Cutting culture in HEMA is total bullshit, quote. 
I don't want to address this real quick. Listen, uh, if you took my comments as negative in regards to cutting with tatami mats and sharp swords and stuff, then I probably spent too much time talking about the negatives of cutting and not a good, not enough time talking about the, the positives. I'm not completely against cutting against tatami. Um, I guess what I am against or more cautioning about is just this this feeling that when we cut the tatami, we're we're taking artifacts that are modern or from different arts, right, and applying them to the longsword or applying them to European culture in general. Um, and I just want to caution everyone and just say, you know, use some care, use some judgment. Um, I wouldn't want to put all those artifacts in when we talk about um, sparring or the uh, the quality of different actions and stuff when, we, when it's re- directly related to sparring. In other words, just quickly, like when we talk about sparring, we're talking about is someone open, how much pressure are we using, you know, these kind of things. I don't want to get into a whole lot of you know, well, you know, based on our artifacts from cutting tatami, would it have been a cut that would have incapacitated the opponent? These questions are important, but they're, I just say use caution. Just be careful about it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying just use caution, especially when it comes to recreating these historical techniques. We just have to kind of be mindful of it. So I don't think cutting culture is bullshit. I just say just use some caution and uh, be careful. So that's the the bottom line on that. So I have invited with me here today Larry Brummond. Larry is a member of my local club, the WHFA Appleton. And I want to introduce him and uh, hear from him. So welcome, Larry. Thank you, Aaron. Great to be here. Great. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Who are you, Larry? (laughs) Uh, well, I, I'll just uh, allude to my previous work a little bit, which was as a grazing specialist and a soil scientist um, with the Natural Resources Conservation Service. A grazing specialist. Yes. So what yes. does that mean? That means I worked with uh, landowners, farmers who um, were interested in either creating um, uh, a paddock type type system where they would graze cattle through or farmers who were transitioning from a more traditional um, high high impact high cost type of farming to something that was a little simpler and, like using um, all the fertilizers and that kind uh, of getting away from fertilizers yeah. more so right right and and a lot of uh, heavy machinery and so forth <clears throat> so it was a little more cost effective it worked for um, some Retiring farmers, or, or some that uh, simply didn't have the income to try and go into it full time. Wow. So, other than that, I would also just consider myself a farmer. So, have you farmed all your life? It grew up with it and um, worked with it quite a bit after high school till I went back on to university and always have been part of it or doing it. Okay. So, yeah. Very cool. Larry's also my source for delicious uh, honeys. He just delivered me a big jar of honey tonight. And can you explain what this honey has got to be the best honey I've ever had in my entire life? I'm not even joking. Not because you're sitting here looking at me and just delivered me some more honey. But there's something about it that is just, it's delicious, of course, but 
I can't explain it. Can you tell me what kind of honey this is we're talking about? Um, <laughs> I, I can't tell you exactly where the bees go, but it's probably from sweet clover. Sweet which clover. Which is um, fairly common in the area, and it's a good source of nectar for bees. And so that's often what what they go to. So, so you keep these bees on your property mm -hmm. and yep. harvest the honey, for the yep. combs or whatever? Yeah, yeah. That's in fascinating. It's fascinating. Well, it's delicious. Yeah. I mean, if any of you out there are looking for honey, look up Larry Brumman's honey. How do they how do they get a hold of that if they want some? They can ask me at class. Okay. Uh. <laughs> what about somebody listening in another state oh, wow. or another country? Well, I, I don't ship anything. Okay. So you, so you're out you of probably luck. have to be pretty local to just stop by or or something like that. So. Well, it's a treat. It's amazing. <clears throat> Okay, so we're moving on. So if you if you don't know, so Larry, how old are you? I am 63. 63. And how long have you been practicing with us? Um, would be about a year and a half. So a year and a half. So it, how did you learn about HEMA? Um, there was a, there is a, a massage person in the same space that you share. And um, I noticed a, a couple of times when I went there, one of your um, uh, Lichtenauer frame, you know, framed um, posters, and then also the one with all the different um, sword stances, etc. And and I was curious because uh, well, they were in German, and it it interested me as a, a possibility of reconnecting with with my German background, or at least it's it's generational, but right. the background. And so I'd ask uh, Parney about it, and she introduced me to you, and we talked, and so I thought, we'll give it a go. Now, you're a ger German speaker. Uh, <laughs> modestly. Uh -huh. And you learned from your family? <laughs> a lot of it was from family, and then I, I took it um, as a minor when I was at university, okay. too. But it, it's much harder, I found, to try and pick up a language when you're when you're older than just you know learning on the go as a kid right isn't everything harder when you're older definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so yeah so you uh just happened to come across us mm -hmm. have you been a martial artist before this not at all not at all this is my first sort of team sport whatever venture never had time for it uh, yeah. when we were farming so this this is the first time i've been able to do anything like that I've noticed, though, like when I first met you, right, mm -hmm. I noticed you're carrying a knife usually, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now, is that just like part of the farming culture, part of the Wisconsin culture, or just kind of what Larry decides to, to take with as part it, of his <laughs> equipment? It, it's, it's definitely part of the farming culture, because you always had a, well, you, you had baled hay, so you either had to cut bales, or there were, are multiple things, you know that you can use it for. So either had a pocket knife as a kid and and then received uh, this one off the belt as a, a gift some years ago. And so just have used that. Right, cool. That's great. So you, you find out about HEMA, you're like, I'll check this out. What are your first impressions? Like if you can remember, it's been a year and some other oh, months yeah. now. So you're starting to get very acclimated C to the completely culture. Completely lost and drowning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
Do you think that is because of the nature in which uh, we structured the classes or the lessons? First, I guess, just let's talk generally about how it is you felt about coming to class. You know what I mean? Like, what was it like for you? Uh, I was a, quite shy and, and feeling a bit uh, intimidated. Um, but I have to say, as far as that went, um, felt very welcomed by everybody there, and that kind of alleviated that fairly quickly. The right. shyness took longer. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, good. Uh, was there anything in particular that that held your attention? You know, it's, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you go to something, and you're like, oh, there's, this is kind of interesting. Or you go to something, and you're like, okay, there's more to this, but this is bullshit, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was it, I guess, that, that kind of hooked you? I, I think that um, any, any given night um, always was different. You, you didn't go with necessarily knowing that you were going to repeat the same thing, mm. um, which, which kept the, the mind going as far as trying to grasp onto new concepts all the time, you know. So, so each time you came, it was kind of a new lesson. It, it was always all kind of mixed up. So yes, exactly. Was that frustrating or was that <clears throat> fun? It, it was both. Yeah. It, it, it was frustrating because um, I, I need repetition, but it was it was fun too because it it opened one up from how can one say one has to to look at a new thing you know it doesn't have to be just you know step by step by step or or a very linear thing as you've talked about before it can come from all different directions and so so i was i was fine with it so you were just kind of like ah i'll I'll deal with it i will and sometimes i'd get as frustrated as hell and, and that's and, great and i'd have to just take a few breaths or a few days away and, and, and then come back at it again. I, I knew I wasn't going to, you know, give up or quit. It's, it's just a matter of keeping on going. And Why you know, weren't you going to give up or quit? Why did you know that? I, I think I know that about myself. You know, if I, if I take something on, um, and I took some time to evaluate what, what your club was about, had attended some of the things, you know, over a year ago when you had them outside and that, just to get a feel for it, you know, what was going on there. Uh, and so once I knew I was going to do this, you know, I'm going to do it yeah. know, and not going to walk away. Look, I so. want to unpack what you just talked about, because mm -hmm. for, for somebody who's like in it all the time, mm -hmm. This this kind of stuff is super valuable and interesting. What were you looking at during this evaluation period or during this time where you're kind of like, is this is this a place where I can commit my energy and my passion or is this something I'm going to pass on? You know what I mean? Like, can you speak to when you were doing that evaluation, even if it's like really inf informal or maybe even just a feeling or something? Can you hit on that a little bit? Um, hmm. I, I, I would say that, I, I guess, without saying, without using that terminology at the time, I, w I was evaluating what was going on here. What was it an ego thing for some? Mm -hmm. um, a place where, you know, people could, you know, batter on each, you know, each other and, and yeah. flail away. 
um, what what were the the characters or personalities of the people in in the club? Did did they reflect what I was seeing in in Aaron? I guess you know what was all going on there. Um, did it look like a place that that you know was accepting of you know different different types of individuals, different backgrounds? Um, those are some of the things I can remember. Yeah, thinking about at the time, you know. Absolutely. And was it fun? You know. Right. Right. Having fun. So. Was it a yeah? Was it a positive atmosphere? Right? Yeah. Exactly. One of the things I talk about repeatedly is this idea that this is not a fight club. Like we're not here to beat each other up and prove who's toughest. Mm -hmm. You see that out there though, um, quite a bit. I think, especially in HEMA, because. There's no overriding board, right, or organizational structure that kind of says, here's some specific things that you need to do, and here's some things you, you don't want to do. And, and I'm, I'm always mindful of, like, other martial arts organizations and other martial arts that even though the local people can still turn it into kind of a fight club, right? So there's always, like, local dynamics that come into play between specific individuals the overriding culture of the martial arts organization usually can speak to whether or not that's applicable in those local clubs. So, you know, what I always like to talk about is in our club, we are not that fight club. No one is here to prove they're bigger, tougher, stronger, smarter than anyone else. We want to strive to, like, improve each other. Right. And that process, though, is a process of discovery and trust. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things I'm constantly talking about discussing. Is that something you picked up on right away or is that something that came to you a little later or? Um, I think I, I probably picked up on it interiorly and and it was affirmed as as I went along, you know, that those things. I think I felt it wasn't in inclusive enough of, of a broad range of people, interest, and so forth. It wasn't inclusive? It was. It was. It was, yeah. Did you see other, you know, <clears throat> types there? You know what I mean? Like, there's certainly a specific typology, I think, that people think of when they think of, like, martial arts persons. Mm -hmm. I, I think what I saw and, and was a little uh, difficult for me was that a lot of people already had backgrounds mm -hmm. in other martial arts, uh, wrestling, etc. And so they were already bringing, you know, developed skill sets yeah. there, you know. Right. While, while, I while I am very athletic, you know, and, and so forth, I never had, you know, those types of, uh, that type of background, you know, to say bring that in. So, right. No formal training in the no, past. No. Did you explore it all? I mean, were you kind of like aware of martial arts? Oh, sure. Stuff? Sure. Sure. But movies, culture? I mean... Movies, probably, mostly. Yeah. When we think about um, European martial arts and that whole concept, is that something you were aware of previously before seeing what we were doing? Or... Is it something you just kind of discovered when you walked in to Parney's place? I would say I was aware of it, but I hadn't um, had any experience with the actuality of it, as far as it being something that was done 
currently, I guess you could say. Were you aware of like the manuals and the masters and no, all? No, no. This is something that I think is fascinating because here, you know, you are a man with a Germanic background, right? And kind of mm-hmm. speaking German and learning about German, you know. I mean, we've had conversations, Larry and I have, where we've discussed like European culture and this kind of stuff. I've always been interested in European history, but I did not know this stuff existed. Like in all of my research mm-hmm. and readings about battles and, you know, different personalities from European culture and history... I just didn't encounter it. I mean, it was one of those things that was kind of sort of in the background. Like you kind of were aware of it, right? A little bit as far as fencing. Right. You know, what that kind of entailed. I had no knowledge from all those years. And I'm talking, I didn't find out about, you know, HEMA until I was like 28, 29, almost 30 maybe. Mm -hmm. And I I just didn't know it existed to Mm -hmm. that level. So... For me, discovering that it did exist at that level was a complete shock. Complete shock. Yeah. And, I, and I feel like that's such a shame. I feel like, in a way, I've been cheated because I've always been interested in European history. I've always been reading stuff about this, and I had no idea this kind of martial art existed. Meanwhile, the whole time I am involved in martial arts, I am interested in martial arts and that kind of culture and that kind of idea... And if I could have connected the two way back then, I feel like, you know, all those years wouldn't have been wasted. So in a way, I feel kind of cheated by the historians and by the idea of European culture without access or knowledge to all this deep cultural roots. I think you were being prepared for it so that when you did become aware of it, it was it was the right time then. Man, no way. Because, <laughs> I, you know, I could have been 20 out there, you know doing this stuff and you know you know you're an older guy I'm, I'm getting older myself you know and i'm starting to feel the weight of all of my past you know engagements and things you know what i mean like i'm injured in different ways and i'm not healing as fast and you know i have to be more careful about how much time i spend doing x or y activity so I, like i said i feel kind of like damn you know like I'm pissed off in a way that I didn't have access to this stuff sooner. Mm -hmm. And really that's kind of what I'm looking at as the charter or as like the mission of my life going forward Mm -hmm. Um, and providing, you know, a facility, you know, the WHFA, if you're not aware, the WHFA is going to be building a new facility in a couple of years. Um, That's, you know, all fingers crossed and stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of variables involved in these kind of financial adventures, but you know, it's one of those things that I'm committed to dedicating the next portion of my life to creating this place, right? Where where people, I suppose from Wisconsin and hopefully from outside of there eventually can come and be immersed in this idea uh and this culture of European martial arts that we're calling HEMA, right? But in the past, it was called many other things, you know? But the idea is this European martial arts, this concept. What does it mean? What does it entail? And how can we teach it? How can we spread the spread that word and that knowledge? I mean, can you imagine being... I just had a woman contact me saying she has a bunch of kids that want to do this. Like, they've been following our stuff on, on Facebook and whatnot, mm-hmm. finding out about us. Um, seeing our news broadcasts and stuff. We were part of like a couple news uh, programs. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
seeing the um, <clears throat> seeing the uh, around the corner with John McGivern program, which is uh, getting a lot of play all the time in Wisconsin and elsewhere. But basically, it's a Wisconsin public television program that was put on that featured Appleton, the city of Appleton, where we are. And uh, we were invited to be part of that program. So anyways, this woman emailed me and she's like, I have four kids. They're like six, eight, ten, and eleven. You know, and on and on. And she's like, and the oldest one was eleven, I guess is the is the bottom line. But she's like, all of them want to learn fencing. And they want to do it with you guys. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, we can't really... We can't serve that population yet as far as that young because it requires even a certain certification within Wisconsin that we don't have yet. It requires um, instructors that are knowledgeable at handing, handling children of that, of that type. Plus, we'd have to modify our training program to kind of, to kind of serve that, mm. that generation, you know, those different age groups and stuff. But the bottom line is... Can you imagine having some place to go to to learn about this stuff at that age? And then... Yeah, that would be really amazing. Right? And then really. keep, keeping them involved in that throughout their lives as they grow up. I mean, I think of, you know, our Henry. Henry found mm. out about us when he was like 16 or something. Like it, his mom brought him to a program in, um, I think it was in New Glarus at the Albion shop. We had a seminar that his mom brought him to. Okay. And they, right away, he's hooked. And so now Henry has been doing this. Now he's in college, right? So he's been doing this for many, many years. And he's fantastic. He's phenomenal. Has has been reading all the historical sources. Is very knowledgeable. He can challenge me sometimes as far as like different terminology and different techniques and things. So it's one of those things where it's like, man, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of, kind of happy to, to be doing it. But at the same time, pissed that it wasn't available for me. That that he may be farther along by the time he's oh, your age. <laughs> without a doubt. Not not only will he be farther along, but he's going to have the experience of having us oh, as a model. Sure. You know, and not only that, but now he's gonna have a physical place to go to, you know, that, that is ours, right? I say ours is like it's the European martial arts facility he can go to and there'll be pole arms there and there'll be sabers and there'll be you know, sharps and whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He'll have access mm -hmm. to that stuff. It's not like you got to go searching for it and find it. I mean, you discovered it by, by happenstance. Yeah. I discovered yeah. it by happenstance. I remember exactly, I did a, I was doing a workout program and this was just in the time when I was coming out of like a powerlifting bodybuilding phase and realizing like for me as a police officer, it was not very useful at all. Like people would squirm and struggle and stuff and try to get away from me and you know my my three hundred and seventy five pound bench press at the time was useless mm -hmm. in fact it was like a it, it was deter it was worse right because I had all this thick uh, immovable muscle you know mm -hmm. that that impeded my movement and was uncomfortable and making me sick, probably you know what I mean and on and on and so it was and really I think. It's growing up with the image of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. And I've thought about this very much. It's like, you know, I was always involved in like, oh man, the army is where I wanted to kind of spend my adult life. And so you, you grow up with like the idea of like Rambo and Commando, you know, and this kind of stuff. And these guys are like bodybuilders running around like shooting from the hip. And, you know, that's, that's the cool image. Right. So you're trying to emulate that image and, and become that in a way because you want to... You want to be that, right? And then you realize, well, that's fake. 
That's crap, right? Not only is it fake and crap, but it's also unhealthy. And then so you start discovering, and I think I did a, a search at the time for like alternative workouts or something. And I happened to find a video of somebody flourishing with a longsword. And I remember being like, sh- just shocked that that implement, that, that object was wielded in that way. You know, like I'm, I was used to seeing like Braveheart and that kind of crap where yeah. they're just like smashing each other in the face with, with, a, with a huge sword, you know, not thinking about, oh, there's techniques. Mm-hmm. Oh, and not only are there techniques, but there's some master that taught those techniques. Oh, and not only is there a master, but there's several masters that were talking about the whole culture at the time. Yeah. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Shocking, you know, and, and frankly infuriating in a way. Because where, where is all the information on this? Why do you think this stuff has been absent? Where do you think it's been? Oh boy. <laughs> I, I <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I think things get buried simply because uh, history tends to move on for a while, you know, and, and, and life cultures, the military, whatever, you know, it, it just just isn't important anymore. And then there's always usually a few people, or even a few schools that survive, but on a very small scale, limited scale, that, that keep it somewhat viable. But um, until, until it finds a person like yourself or other, you know, other individuals that really bring it back to life, you know, it just kind of sits there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's with, with many, other, many other things, uh, skills that have been in the past. Very good. All right. So let's fast forward and let's let's talk about you as you sit here now, because I think in the last mm, four or five months, there's been a significant change in your confidence as a student and in your willingness to maybe put yourself out there to go forward a little bit. So in the next couple discussions what I want to talk with you about is like starting now and maybe working backwards I used to think of you in more firmly the enthusiast track right and we've talked about these tracks quite a bit right so in other words I if I'm thinking about teaching Larry in the past I'm thinking about I got to keep it light got to keep it more introductory I got to keep it a little more fun I got to be a little more not careful is the wrong word but more open to kind of just letting you explore things for a while. And a lot of that has to do with the newness of sure. a student, right? Sure. But it's also like, ah, I don't really know yet where Larry's confidence is taking him. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where you leave it open to let Larry start figuring it out. So let's let's start with... Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, let's start with like today. Can you tell me, just tell the audience a little bit about some of the extra things you've been doing that I'm kind of talking about, if you know. You you mean in relation to practicing yeah, these your practice? Or oh, yeah. Okay. Um, well, like um, I think what's what's helped as far as say a bit more confidence or or comfort comfortableness with with the whole thing is uh, this summer I was working when I, with one of our other students um, teacher. He would come out a couple of days in his time off kind of to help himself as well as to help me who is this uh tim very good uh to um 
you know, just work through a lot of this stuff. And, and, it, and it was fun and it was more consistent, um, you know, Jim, than just say the Wednesday class and or the Sunday class. And so that offered alternatives to just work with, you know, work with this different stuff. And I have to say, um, when I was listening to your podcast with, um, was uh, Derek and Jeremy, was yep. it? Yeah. And, and you were talking about the three three uh, pathways. The three uh, tracks. Three tracks, as it were. I, I was trying to, you, you evidently tried to box me in yeah, earlier. But when I was listening to these, I thought, well, maybe. And then the second one, well, yeah, there's the historical aspect as well. Uh, and the third uh, dealt with more just competition and so forth. And I thought, well, I'm not there yet, but uh, I, I don't tend to confine myself quite as much as your three tracks were giving you. I thought, all of these and. Yes. We'll just see where what fits as, as I move along here. Um, I, I don't see myself a lot right now as you know, big into the competitive side of it, but I thought that's that's not something that's off the table. Right. It's just um, a matter of when I feel my skill set is, is sufficient enough that I can make a, a choice as far as if I want to go into that direction more and, and do more of that. Very good. Let me speak to that for just a second because this <clears throat> is a great segue. Yes, absolutely. That's correct. Here's the thing that I'm trying to show with these three tracks. Imagine if, like, the second day you showed up, I forced you to go into a tournament. Or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so what I'm trying to say is that all three things are accessible to you now because you've developed the comfort and the confidence and the abilities to now see yourself plugged into each of those roles. Like, now I, now I think, correct me if I'm wrong... But now I think you're that kind of student that can benefit from extra one-on-one training with more senior people, that can that can enjoy now the process of like sparring with more senior people. So in other words, like you have the base now established where you can say to yourself, if someone beats the tar out of you in a respectful way, mm-hmm. right? In a, in a skilled way, right, right. you can say to yourself, well, I'm just not there yet. <laughs> it doesn't mean that like you as a person, as an individual, aren't worthy or aren't capable. It just means right. you know you just don't have that repetition or that practice or there's a few things that you haven't ingrained yet. You know, It's got nothing to do with Larry Brumman as Larry Brumman. Exactly. It's got everything to do with Larry as just you know, a more new fencer. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. And you see, for a lot of instructors and a lot of clubs, this concept is foreign to them. They just take everybody that walks through the door and they're like, here, you know, go against our killer out there. And then they beat the shit out of them, right? And then the person's like, geez, you know, that wasn't very fun or very educational or or whatever. You know what I mean? So... You know, I've I've traveled extensively to some of these, these HEMA clubs. And frankly, now in our modern time, it's not quite as a problem as it used to be because the HEMA culture, I think, and the HEMA community has done a much better job of, like, sharing and talking about and discussing these concepts. But, like, back in the day, and even still today, there are clubs out there that have no conception of taking a new martial artist and then developing. And I shouldn't even see a martial artist, but a new fencer... Because a martial artist, I think, is kind of different. We can talk about that in a second. I want to pick your brain. But 
you know, a new fencer and like chucking them into stuff which they're not at all ready for. You see it today in tournaments still, where they just chuck people into some of these roles and they're out there getting their asses kicked mm-hmm. in ways that are not helpful. <clears throat> like you can, you can go against somebody who's very skilled and learn a lot. And then come out of that renewed, right? And, and almost like redouble your efforts mm-hmm. and, and use it as motivation. But, okay, so that's, that you, that's you sitting here now. So now, so let's recap what it is you did on your own. And that's basically, you're getting more training outside of the normal classes, right? Right. You're reaching out to people. Uh, you've reached out to me. Mm-hmm. You've reached out to a couple other instructors to say, hey, look, can I get some extra time? Mm-hmm. What else is going on with you, Larry? Well, just working out, working on my own with some of the things, and and that was you know quite a bit more in summer. Uh, in winter, it's been a little harder with with the weather, but right, just out, you know, on the lawn, you know, trying these different things. So flourishing, flourishing, um, and, and I can't think of your pattern on the wall. The senyo, yeah, working, working with, with that quite a bit. So How about a Pell? Did you build a Pell or something? I haven't done that yet. I, I've looked at what you have there and want to do that. That, that seems like a fun thing. I could use um, box elder trees, you know, as well. But I, right. I think I'll, I'll work on something that's already dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the original Pell, though, is some kind of tree or tree branch, sure. right? Imagine yourself as a kid with a stick, you know, just whacking the crap out of trees. Would, would have done that, yes. It's pretty cool. So let's go just before that stage, because um, frankly, okay, so what I'm talking about is, so we're going backwards in time with Larry, and Larry's at the point now where he's like training outside of class, he's drilling and, and doing techniques and, and practice on his own, on his own time, as kind of a workout, as an exploration of, of the different techniques and trying to ingrain that stuff in your muscle memory and, and becoming familiar right, with them. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so it's not such a, <laughs> such a new concept to you when you Every walk time. through the door. Right. So, <laughs> it, so it that. still sometimes is. I mean, and when I when I get into the, you know, like the fight night, you know, scenario. I I just kind of go a little bit blank, which is where where the cellular memory, like you talk about, would help because I can do certain things, but but can't remember the other things. I know. I know. You know. Just you know, like you, you get in there. Yeah. And, and I can't pull it all together i think i emailed you kind yes. of a little bit of what i was trying to to get at there so i sort of work from one angle first and then forget the other stuff like defense <laughs> yeah i wish i actually had that email that you sent me up but to summarize and i love getting that kind of stuff from students because what it what it shows me is not only that you're still plugged in right and interested mm. and passionate but it also really is very indicative of the journey from fencer to martial artist. Mm-hmm. And that's something I discuss a lot too. And, and actually came to my own realization and my own journey as I went from like, Oh shit, I didn't know swords could be used that way to like, Holy cow, they have a whole methodology to, Oh my God, like they have masters and mm-hmm. I can't even believe it. All these masters like knew each other and like worked through the thing mm-hmm. and, and had schools established and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I forgot where I was going with that for a second. Um, so basically, oh, I know what it was. So basically, when when my students email me certain things, I start to see along their journeys like correlations. So in other words, like other students will be like, oh, Aaron, like this 
cool thing happened to me the other night when I was sparring. Like I thought about using a technique and then I saw the opening and I used the technique, mm -hmm. right? Um, and actually recently I was at a, 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 a class myself where the instructor said um, something really fascinating and I wanna, I'm going to steal it and use it in the future because I think it's, it's, it's on point but also missing out on some aspects. But basically what she said was um, she felt very empowered from a stimulus being presented and then a response occurring and that the space in between there, if there was conscious thought, that's where she felt empowered. So in other words, like a stimulus is presented, there's some kind of reaction. And if she has the ability to like think through that response and then respond mm -hmm. in a way that's appropriate and timely, that's where she becomes empowered. And a light bulb went off, like fireworks went off, in, you know, in my mind. And I'm like, yes, yes, because there are times when you fence and you're like just kind of reactionary. Right, so things are happening and you don't even really consciously right. know they're happening. It's just as a result of your continued practice and muscle memory they talk about. But there are definitely times where you see something happening and almost have the ability to like, you know those movies or those ideas where you like step outside yourself and you're like seeing it happen third person. Yes. And you're like, ah, I know exactly what's happening. And then you're like, I'm going to do this. And then you jump back in your skin and you do it and it works and you're like, yes. It seems like time slows down yeah. quite a bit within a, within a space where it really isn't. But for whatever reason, you can slow down enough to see it and then jump back into it. Yeah. Because that's really like the crux of, of mastery of a subject, right? To be able mm -hmm. to see that stuff coming at you and to just not be reacting but instead acting in such a way that you are completely right. in control of those actions right. and right. conscious. Right. Right. I'll, I'll look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen for you, I'm sure of it. So yeah, man, that's cool. Um, but when I received that email, I thought, ah, Larry has gone to this next level right, in the journey. And there's always, there's always those opportunities where people level up Right, where your peers recognize in you that confidence or that ability or that capability and it's like obvious, right? So that's one of those things I always look for in the in a journey of somebody going from just learning about fencing, learning about different tactics and techniques to becoming a martial artist, which is very different. So are you thinking of yourself as a martial artist now or as somebody who's just experimenting with fencing? Kind of set you up for that, didn't I? <laughs> you, you did. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't think I am yet. Uh, I, I'm aware of it, but I don't think I'm, I'm saying Larry is now a martial artist or, or getting there. Why don't you think that? <clears throat> what, what piece is missing um, from your development that would, that would say to you, uh, I'm not quite a martial artist yet? I would say when I feel my, my skill is sufficient to, um, you know, work with some of your, your uh, the senior scholars, whatever, you know, um, and feel I can hold my own better, then, then I would say I must have reached something that I can do that. So then I would be more comfortable. Calling yourself a martial artist? Yes, yes. So is the martial artist tag 
that identity? Is that some kind of... That's completely new for me. So, huh. so how I would identify it, I think, takes me a little while. Did you ever see those, um, what are they called, those, uh, those moments in movies where they're like, okay, I'm going to get my training on, and the, the music's going, and they're like, what are those called, the, tra- the what is that called, right? The, um, it kind, it's kind of a lead up to... Yeah, what to, is that called? I, I don't know. But. <laughs> montage. The okay. training montage. That's what I was thinking of. There's always those points in the movie, right? Where there's like it all a... it all happens really fast. Right. It's, like, <laughs> it's amazing how quickly they become right? amazing. But that's the reason for the montage, Larry. Yeah, they're just like showing you these are like these are months and months happening in like the blink of an eye. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But if I could say to you, like, look, man, you know, you've got all the ingredients, right? All the ingredients are starting to percolate. Like you've got the mm. This is what I'm trying to say to you. Like, you've got the solo training going on where you're practicing on your own, on your own time, on your own dime, I like to say, right? You're doing your own. It's beyond just the class. Mm-hmm. You're doing that. You are reaching out to people, getting additional training, saying, hey, I don't quite understand this, that, or the other thing. Can you spend a little time doing this with me, right? So you got that going on. You're starting to go to fight nights more, which is like our mm-hmm. sparring only night, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're doing that more, so you're confident and comfortable doing that, which tells me something. You know, you've it's reached out to me. <laughs> yeah, right? You've reached out to me a number of times to say, hey, look, uh, I'm starting to feel a certain way. This is kind of cool. Like, you know, you don't even have to respond. I'm just telling you this, which is cool because what that says is like you're making a statement. Right? You're not asking a question doubting you're making a statement saying i'm saying this to you you don't need to respond but this is where i'm at right and that's important so for me i'll tell you this for for me and my journey because you know even though i had a martial arts background I, i really wasn't committed to any particular martial art because for me culturally something was missing um, and eventually I'm going to have you back and we're going to talk about like a moral code and moral compasses and this kind of crap because I'm really interested in that stuff. But for me, it was always like, you know, they were, they were I thought, being unintentionally disingenuous with the exploration of a culture that they don't quite espouse to or they don't belong to. So in other words, like... You know, and I, I don't want to come off as, you know, getting into any kind of politics or, you know, uh, any kind of racism or anything like that, you know. But all I'm trying to say is, um, this is a for instance that I can sum it up the best. And, you know, I don't care what you want to explore. That's your business. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to say, like, oh, if you're a European guy, you need to do European martial arts. It's not all I'm saying because there's a lot you can learn from all these other cultures and right. explorations. Yeah. But I did get into an argument one time with a guy who's, um, you know, he's got like a Polish background. And I, I know him well, so we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. But I, he's got a, he's a Polish culture, Polish background, that's his heritage. And he espouses um, all about like Japanese martial culture from like the 14th century. That's all the guy knows. It's all he talks about. It's all he is like really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the one of the aspects of of that culture, right, is is the protection of that heritage as a culture. So in other words, like they're very 
insulated at the time in the 14th century. They're very uh, specific about like our culture is best. All the other cultures are inferior. And so we're, we're protecting that idea. And that's what he's excited about. And so I'm like, look, man, you're, you're studying a culture which was very insular and very specific about the fact that their culture was better than all the other cultures. So since you're studying that and espouse to that and think that's like some kind of higher level, doesn't it make sense then that you would think about your own culture that way or at least explore your own culture to say, well, what were the Polish doing in the 14th mm-hmm. century? Which it turns out some pretty fucking fantastic right. shit, you know, some pretty amazing martial stuff mm-hmm. is going on in his own culture at that time. So, so for me, the, 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 the comedy of that, like, like, dude, you know, you've got to at least acknowledge that this is kind of fucked up in a way, right? <laughs> you know, and, and we get in these arguments constantly, but it's one of those things where for me, I didn't think of myself as a martial artist until the, and it's kind of a legendary story for those that know me, but the story of the Shinai guy, right? Have I told you the story yet? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm going to briefly... I, I, I ask you about some of the background, but I'm not, sh- I'm not I'm sure. I'm going to briefly talk about this quick because I think we're our <laughs> podcast is getting long already. And we haven't had you talk much. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Larry's a shy guy, but I'll tell you what. Once Larry starts opening up, it's incredible the conversations we have. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the future with that uh, once we get used to this format. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a thing, by the way, for those that don't know, but you can have awesome conversations and then like, hey, we're going to do a podcast and you start the podcast machine <laughs> and everyone clams up and is like, oh shit, you know, now I'm being recorded. But anyways, the story goes like this. So uh, at the time, you know, I had been doing HEMA for probably like two or three years or whatever, getting the, the basic concepts of like the five strikes down pretty good. Right. And the five strikes in the Lichtenauer tradition, uh, you know, the Zornhau, the Zverkau, the Schielhau, the Scheidelhau, the Krumpau. Getting those down pretty good. Right. Having that formative understanding of these five strikes are really important. I didn't really know why exactly or like, am I supposed to do them all the time or some of the time or in specific times or what? Didn't quite have all that down yet, but I understood these were important. So I'm at this carnival, at this festival, actually. It was like a, it was billed as like a renaissance festival up in Michigan. And they had us come up there to do demonstrations of techniques. Well, and I, you know, I'm much younger at the time and stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to take on all comers, right? Kind of thing. <laughs> so like there was a pit kind of that we had constructed. And my club kind of, and my club at the time was like four dudes. We set up this like pit where people could come and challenge the, the European martial arts champion. Right. We didn't say martial arts, but, you know, the swordsman. Mm -hmm. Well, this guy presents himself and he has almost like a train of followers that are with him. And I don't know how he found out about this thing or that I was going to be there or whatever. But he had traveled a long distance to come there and meet me in battle was his terms. And so he um, he's this guy that's like super fit. And by super fit, I mean like, remember I was talking about like the heavy muscle? Right. Not that. Okay. This guy's doing the splits and, you know, doing somersaults and all this crazy shit. And, you know, he's he's got the whole thing going. Like I think he had like a big robe on at the time. Like he was just, 
I think that's all he did probably constantly is just and probably ran his own so little school or something. You know what I mean? So he's like, hey, uh, are you the main guy, the champion? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you and I must fight. And I'm making a fist in front of Larry like, we must battle. And I'm like, okay, man, like, fine. You know, kind of thinking in the back of my head, like, take it easy, man. Like, you know what I mean? So I want to have this, this <coughs> excuse me, I want to have this discussion with him about, like, what's going to count or what kind of safety gear we're going to have. And he's like, no safety gear, first blood, you know, all this kind of stuff. The guy's, like, super intense. And my buddies are looking at me like, Aaron, like, do you know what you're getting into here? And I'm like, no, not really, but fuck it, let's let's try it, you know. So these guys bring up, and I'm out there kind of warming up with my, and at the time we just had uh, the synthetic nylon wasters. We didn't have steel at the time. Okay. So I'm warming up with this synthetic waster, you know, and whatever, and he's kind of eyeballing me a little bit, and he's like, okay, like, the battle's on. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm ready. Well, he goes, he's warming up and stuff, and then he goes out there and just kind of like puts his arms down by his side, and his attendants bring these two bags up. And open the bags in this whole like ceremonial process almost, and they they strap on two shinai on the guy's arms, so two like Japanese practice swords, right? They're specifically built for kendo and kenjutsu and stuff. Strap them onto his arms so they're protruding from each arm, and he starts doing these crazy forms and stuff with these things, like like crazy. And I'm thinking, holy crap! But I remember thinking to myself, I'm just going to do these five strikes. Like, I'm just going to focus on what these things are for and try and beat this crazy display of athleticism I'm seeing. And what happens is, probably after six exchanges, the guy never touched me once. And every time I did a Scheidelhau. So every time I just went for the guy's head... While he's like swiping away at my body and stuff. And I just use the longer reach mm-hmm. to, to whack him every single time in the middle of his forehead. And by like the last strike, he had this huge bloody welt in the middle of his forehead. And I'm like, dude, you want to stop? And he's like, we must continue. So finally the last one smacks that nodule there. And this blood just like explodes everywhere. And I mean, it was like a huge sack of blood that had formed and it just freaking went everywhere when it when it burst open finally it was disgusting but at the same time he was very gracious about it he was like okay you've beaten me you know your skills you're using are superior to my skills and he wanted to have this huge in-depth conversation about it he ended up learning about hema and stuff we showed him the different strikes and different techniques so he was one of those guys that was like real gracious and good about it at the end but in the beginning i thought this is crazy but here I'm thinking to myself, like, this is the guy. This is a guy who probably has spent years perfecting his system and his, you know, his art and all this kind of stuff. And here I'm using something that actually is is rooted in in hundreds of years of development, right? Versus right. his seven or eight or whatever he has going on. And I'm like, there's truth to this. There's, there's knowledge and there's truth and there's real human passion and energy that's developed to this. So it's therefore, it's like worthy. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it's not flippant. Right. right. So that's where I started thinking of myself as a martial artist versus just somebody who's checking out sword techniques. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
So anyways, we are out of time. Anything you want to say, Larry, to wrap this up? No, just thank you. Did you enjoy this? I did. I'm looking to have you back, Larry. I really appreciate all, all you're doing. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right, folks, that's the it. That's the it. Uh, that's it, rather. I can't even talk now. But that's it for the, um, for the podcast. I appreciate Larry coming on. And we'll talk to you later. Train hard.